I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is World Soccer Talk Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. I am your presenter, Nate Abaurea. Thank you so much for making the show a part of your daily plans live on all of our fantastic Sports Byline radio affiliates across the U.S. of A. Thanks for subscribing to us in a podcast form on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and of course, WorldSoccerTalk.com. Special hello to the men and women overseas listening on the American Forces Network. Leave us a review on iTunes when you get a chance and get involved in the Twitter game at World Soccer Talk for updates on the show at Sports Byline USA and to get a hold of me with the love mail and the hate mail and your fantastic Seinfeld soccer manager tweets. Get at me at Nate WST. If you didn't get a chance to listen to the show yesterday where we had Swedish author Oscar Oberg on or you haven't been on Twitter in the last 24 hours, get on it. Check me out at Nate WST. We posed the question, which Seinfeld character would make the best soccer manager. Some of these responses were absolutely fantastic. Shout out to Dan Chubbuck, at Dan Chubbuck. Jay Peterman. Oh, that's a good one. And I, I wrote back, I said, I think Jay Peterman already manages in the Premier League, in fact. He just goes by the alias Alan Pardew, Silver Fox. Oh, Bo McMillan, at Gam Link said Frank Costanza. He just wants to see a manager on the touchline yelling serenity now for 90 minutes. Oh, that one is good. Shout out to at Jace O'Ravis underscore three. The soup Nazi. He would run a very tight ship. Good pick there, Jace. Gregory at Poppy Grego says Elaine. All right, get some female managers in there. I like it. Pizza King at Nickel by one, two, three. Cosmo Kramer. Now, I said this on the show yesterday. I said that Jurgen Klopp, I feel like he has a little bit of Cosmo Kramer in him. Maybe a little bit more grounded than Cosmo Kramer. But Jurgen Klopp and Kramer, I feel like they they fell from the same tree. Frank Costanza, another pick for Kramer. Bob Cobb, ooh, the maestro. Good pick there from Witch 19 Tim Watley, that pick from Dano Souter. I like that one, adaptable, engaging, and he loves jokes. The dentist, that's right, Dr. Tim Watley. Newman, he'd be a crafty, shrewd manager. That one from Danny Mac Attack. And then our good friend Wally Downs actually got at us. That's right, Wally Downs from the Crazy Gang. Wally said he wants... The Maestro and Frank co-managing with the Low Talker as the press liaison. My goodness, Wally, cheers to you. We're back with Matt Jones after this on World Soccer Talk Radio. Stay tuned. 
Welcome back in to World Soccer Talk Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, Nate Abaurea. Still tweet me. Yes, you can still tweet me at NateWST. Keep them coming. You guys have been doing some beautiful work in the Twitter sphere over the last couple of days. Get it all of us at World Soccer Talk. Our guest in this edition of the show, Matt Jones. You know his writing from WorldSoccerTalk.com. He's one of my favorite scousers in all of existence. Matt Jones, how is Liverpool treating you today? That's not too bad. It's a a little bit uh, windy and wet, but it's to be expected as we get towards the the festive period. But no, look at my windows, Christmas lights up everywhere, all very scenic and, and quite nice. We're officially a month away from Christmas, so I am okay with the Christmas lights now. Even though they're coming out before Thanksgiving, <laughs> I'm okay with it. We're officially a month away. I hear you have kind of an interesting Christmas tree set up at your place, Maddie. Oh, yeah. It's, it, well, the, the build is the the, uh, the biggest Christmas tree in, in the whole of the United Kingdom, but it looks quite like a, a, a set of scaffolding with some lights on in a Christmas tree shape. So it's a, it's, it's on a bit of a, uh, a divisive uh, reception from some of the people around here, so to speak. I spoke in the opening. I let everybody know that, that we're going to be talking quite a bit about Everton, as well as the club that I support across St- uh, Stanley Park, Liverpool Football Club. Let's start with your boys. Let's start with your beloved Toffees. Seventh place in the Premier League right now. They're, they're going to win the league. They're going to win the cup. They're going to win everything. Tell me about it, Matty. Oh, it would be great if we could win one cup. And the fact, that we're st- <laughs> the fact that we're still in the league cup at this point of the season, which is a competition which typically Evertonians have fought Everton are cursed in because even though the, the club have won the league title nine times, they've won the FA Cup five times in the past, it's, it's a competition when even even during the, the greatest periods in the club's history, they've never really got close to winning. So the fact that they're in the, the semi-final of the League Cup and they've got a chance of ending this this ongoing trophy drought, which will be 21 years by the end of this season, is, is a major positive. But tentatively saying that this season as a whole has, has gone gone pretty good in the in the first 10 games the Everton played eight of last season's top 10 they were in ninth place after those 10 games which is a, a pretty decent return and probably around the position a lot of people would have expected them to to be in at the start of the campaign but the last few weeks admittedly they played teams like Sunderland they went to West Ham in fairness who were having a good season uh, and they played uh, obviously Aston Villa at the weekend and there were teams last season that would give Everton problems because when those sort of sides sat in, they sat deep, they, they tried to nullify Everton's passing style, which was so prominent in, in Martinez's first season. And it didn't really, it, it, they found it really difficult to cope with those sort of sides. So the fact that Everton seemed to be at ease with, with, with taking apart teams like Sunderland, who came with five at the back, tried to sit deep and counter-attack against teams like Aston Villa, who, who again at the weekend were, were very defensive in their outlook. The fact that the, the scoring goals are on a regular basis against these sort of sides, they're cutting through them with, with a lot more incision. That's probably the most positive aspect of the whole season so far for me. And, and when you look at the fixtures that are coming up against supposed lesser sides who, who may try and adopt similar sort of tactics, it, it does bode well for a, for a strong finish to the calendar year. Well, Matt, they're heading down way, way down south uh, this weekend to take on Bournemouth. Talk about uh, what, what you're thinking Everton can take take away from this one. Well, on paper, it looks an ideal game for Everton because Bournemouth for a team who I think 
while they've I've, I've watched them a, a lot of times this season and the two games they played against Liverpool in the in the league and in the cup resonate with me quite a lot in, in respect of the fact that in both of those games that the general play between defence up to the, the strikers was good they were they were industrious that they're well organised in their attacking patterns they, they moved the ball quickly through the lines and they've got players who, who are obviously very well acquainted with the shape that Eddie Howe looks to set up but at the sharp end of the pitch they don't seem to have a cutting edge about Callum Wilson. I know they've been decimated by injuries in other areas as well. And in, in goal, they seem to have real issues, whether it's Arto Boroc, who seems to drop a clanger every week, or Adam Federici, who, they, who they've brought into the side recently. I don't think he's really convinced either. So it's it's a game that, that should suit Everton in, in respect of Bournemouth always seem to attack. They seem to they seem to play an expansive brand of football. And, and what Everton have been really good at in the last few weeks is when they do nick the ball back off opposition teams in, in dangerous areas, they've got players like Ross Barkley, players like Gerard Delafeu, Romelu Lukaku, and, and even Aruna Kone recently who were, who were really strong carrying the ball forward, breaking through lines and, and scoring those sorts of counter-attacking goals, like the fourth goal, which which we saw on, on Sunday against Aston Villa, moving it really quickly from John Stones into Delafeu, Barkley, and then, and then Lukaku can get on the end of it. So it's I think the only issue will be complacency and uh, hopefully that the team don't think there's going to be a, it's going to be too easy in a game. And, and you look at the Bournemouth squad as well and, and there's those dreaded ex-players for Everton in the Bournemouth team, Sylvan Distan, Dan Gosling. So you just, you just worry maybe they're going to be up for it. They might have a big game. But if Everton go there and they perform with the same attack and endeavour, the same discipline they have done in the last couple of weeks, then, then they should be fine. Well, Maddie, when I hear you say someone drops a clanger every week, I always worry that you're talking about me as a as a radio broadcaster here. But we <laughs> course, we, we, we carry on. No, no, yeah, I'm I'm still riding that perfect record <laughs> here on on World Soccer Talk Radio. Hey, one of the names that we haven't actually brought up yet, and I want to go back to to Ross Barkley in a little bit and talk about his experience uh, playing for England recently and and what that's really done to elevate his game and and really just add to the the audacity that he already possesses and that confidence that is definitely within his heart and footballing mind. Tim Howard is someone who you and I have talked with on this show and off air quite a bit. And it was such a bizarre season last year for Tim Howard coming off the world cup. And, and a lot of people thought he, he was crap in a lot of ways for Everton and people were saying, Hey, wow. He's yeah. He's had this long spell here. He's a fan favorite, but even fan favorites have to be, steadily pushed to the side once they reach that point. It's as if Timmy's had a bit of a, of a renaissance. I don't know if it was the, the international sabbatical that, that did it for him. What can you credit to credit it to? Because I feel like I'm watching not necessarily the Tim Howard of his prime, but definitely better than the Tim Howard of last season for Everton. I think he's definitely been better in, in the last, the last few weeks in, in respect of the fact that, the team as a whole has been a lot better. It's, it's kind of took a lot of pressure off him. And, and I think even though Phil Jagielka is a player who is obviously Everton's captain, he's had quite a good season. He's, he's a good partner for John Stones. But I think bringing in someone like Ramiro Funes Mori, who was a summer signing for Everton from River Plate, and there was a big question mark over him really and, and whether he'd be, be fit for the Premier League, whether his style would suit English football. And what he's done, his, he's, a, he's a more front-foot defender. He's an aggressive defender. He... He goes and wins headers in the box. And, and what what was a, a big issue for Tim Howard? And it has been a big issue this season. And I, I know you, you mentioned there he's had a, a sort of renaissance in, in the last few weeks. But the, the, the first the first you know 
two thirds of what we've played so far. He, he, was, he was really poor, and there were some some big questions from Everton, from Everton fans regarding his place in the team, and probably the the, the biggest swell of of support to to get him out the side and to bring in someone like Joel Robles, who who came in for the cup games and has done pretty well so far this season. So, I think having someone like Funes Mori in the team has, has really helped him in that sense. But it's it's an area of big concern for me still because I look at some of the goals that Everton have conceded so far this season, particularly crosses into the box. You think back to the, the Merseyside derby game when Danny Ings, granted he, he was he was let go in the area by by his marker, but if you're stooping and heading the ball in six yards out from a corner, that, that's that's the goalkeeper's area, and it's it's not just that one occasion. It's been against Arsenal, there were two goals in 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 the game, one from Giroud, one from from Koscielny from a, from a free kick against him. Howard's area, he wasn't decisive enough. So it's an area Everton need to look at really going forward because Tim Howard turns 37 this season. Like you mentioned, he has been a really good servant for the club. He's been been at Everton for for ten years now at the end of this season, and so. It'll be a due testimonial and all, and all the things that come of that. But it's an area they need to look at and, and something that I think Roberto Martinez and, and the way he's handled the situation has, has drawn a lot of criticism from quite a few Everton fans over it in, in respect of he seems to be guaranteed his place in the team where, where other players aren't given the same sort of luxury. So it's it's an area of concern. I think hope, hopefully these last few games will have, will have enriched Howard with a, a bit more confidence and will give him a bit better end of the year but I'd like to see as a, as a matter of or as a primary target in January I'd like to see everything go out and sign a new goalkeeper well Matty I'll, I'll give you that because look I, I'm so focused on the present moment here and you talk about the last few weeks where Tim Howard in my opinion has actually looked quite good but I'm glad that you brought up the the beginning of the season when actually it felt like the 2014-15 campaign had kind of carried on into the 15-16 one here in the Prem and and everywhere else for Tim Howard but in in the last few weeks I'm I'm seeing this this trending in the right direction for Tim Howard but you say you ended that whole thing right there by saying that you expect or or hope at least for Everton to go out and and get another goalkeeper in January will Tim Howard be the starting goalkeeper for Everton through May of of 2016 in your opinion Matt I think he will. I, I think Roberto Martinez still still sees him as a player who can bring a lot to the team. I think in, in a back four which contains players such as Funes Mori, who noted there, who's new to the league, someone like John Stones. Again, even though he, he, he belies his years and the way he plays the game, the composure he, he plays with, he is someone who's who's a young player. Brendan Galloway's been playing at left back for most of the season. He's he's another young player, so I, I think he likes to have a, a goalkeeper in the team like Howard, who's experienced try and get that blend right at the back. But there's, there's been there's been a lot of polls on, I think, after the after the Norwich game when Everton played Norwich City in the Cup and Joe Robles was brought in for that game, it was directly after the Arsenal match that was that was aforementioned when Howard made a couple of bad mistakes. And Robles made really good saves in that game. Everton actually won the match in a penalty shootout. And there was a, a real swell from supporters to, to get him in the team. And some polls conducted on various websites like the Liverpool Echo, like Toffee TV, those 90% of fans more or less wanted uh, Robles in the team for, for the next game. And it's Martinez obviously sees some value in him, but it, it's not an opinion shared by a lot of supporters. And, and the fact that he seems to have to be able to walk straight back into the side, it's, it's the second time this has happened now. There's a spell last season when Howard was injured. Robles came into the team, did well, but was was taken back out again. The fact that it, 
he seems to be able to walk back into the team. For me and for a lot of Everton fans, doesn't really send the, the right message in respect of young players who will be looking to break into the team. If they're looking at the squad and thinking there's guaranteed places in this side, it, it's not good for, for squad morale. So it's it's an area of concern. Martinez has done a, a lot of good things so far this season, but that, that's one area I think he could have handled a lot better and, and hopefully he will look to address in, in, in January. But... Even if he does bring in a goalkeeper in January, I can't foresee him immediately upsetting Howard. At least, well, we've got Matt. Anyway. Matt, we've got a lot of lot of Everton supporters that that listen to this show on a daily basis. So I ask all of you Everton fans out there: tweet us at World Soccer Talk and get at me at Nate WST. Let us know: Will Tim Howard be the Everton goalie through the end of the season? And part two: Should Tim Howard be the Everton goalkeeper starting week in week out? through the end of the season again at Nate WST and at World Soccer Talk. We're back with more with Matt Jones right here on World Soccer Talk Radio Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned. You're listening to World Soccer Talk Radio with your host, Nate Abarea on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. We are back here on World Soccer Talk Radio, Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Matt Jones alongside yours truly, Nate Abare. You can check out some of Matt's writing on that website that you know so well, worldsoccertalk.com. You can also listen to the show via worldsoccertalk.com. We talked all about Tim Howard there at the end of that last segment. It's time to talk about what many people are looking at the future, looking at as... Part of the future of the English national team, and they're both Everton players. It's Ross Barkley. It's John Stones. Matt, how are you feeling about these two Toffees being talked about as as three Lions for for a decade to come? Well, hopefully they'll be Everton players for a decade to come. Never, <laughs> never mind England, England stars. But yeah, well, I mean, I'll take I'll take John Stones first. He's he's a player who who just continues to to impress, and it's. It's it's remarkable, really, when you consider what what was going on this summer with the with the Chelsea interest and the, and the, the the transfer request he put in. Everton subsequently refused the transfer request, and there seems to be a, a clamour for him to to make the move to Chelsea and why he needed to go to get Champions League football. And for a lad who's, who's only twenty one, he's quite humble from from what I've heard. He's someone who's quite a sensitive personality as well. For, for him to to take everything in his stride that that, that went on. And produce the performances that he's been producing this season. It's just it's it's a credit to, to to the player, and it's not a position in the Premier League where you see young players typically thrive centre back. And it's it's so unforgiving. It's it's so fast paced. If you make a mistake, you, you typically punish. But he's a player that just continues to get better and better. And this season, he, he's he's added more areas to his game. He's becoming a leader on the pitch. He's a lot more vocal. Whether it's talking to someone like Brendan Galloway, who I mentioned in the first part, telling him which position to be in, helping other young players through the game, even shouting at players like Phil Jagielka and, and Tim Howard at times as well. He's got that confidence about him and his, his, his distributions often, often mentioned in the way that he's a ball-playing centre-back. It's something unique for, for English football, but his defensive work as well has got so much better this season. He, he sees things really quickly. He tackles the ball superbly. His legs, his legs are like kaleidoscopes. The way he stretch out and block passes and block shots, he's he's quick across the ground. He's strong in the air, and I've, I've got no no issue in saying I I think he, if he had gone to Chelsea this summer, he, the lad would have been doing himself a, a real disservice. I think he's got all the attributes and all the qualities to, to eventually play for a team like Barcelona, 
Real Madrid or Bayern Munich and I really think he's that good and and, and that's something like you mentioned there where now he, he seems to be seems to be taking that onto the, into the international stage and when England played France uh, in a friendly game earlier earlier in well last week he was outstanding in that as well up against some some real top quality French attackers so he's someone that, that I think is going to go to the very top and uh, obviously said in jest there hopefully he'll be an Everton player for, for the next 10 years I don't think any Everton fan realistically expects him to be at the club for for that for that amount of time. But if he does leave, he, he owes it to himself to, to go to one of the, the, the very biggest clubs in the well, world. Well, Matt, what, what is know. what is reasonable to expect as an Everton fan, considering what we just saw in in the last off season with with Mister John Stones? What what is a reasonable expectation as far as how long he'll stick around because I, I can't help but wonder here, and I'm not trying to just stir the pot, but considering what we just saw a few months ago, I feel like we're going to see it again with how well he's playing not only for Everton, but for the English national team. It's, it's going to be the the Stone Saga Part 2 in the summer of 2016. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 no doubt it'll be interested in the player, but he's he's got four years left on his contract at Everton. He signed a, a new deal in the summer uh, well, sorry, the summer before I last, a five-year contract. And Everton have shown in, in the last summer that they're not going to be dictated to. And, and while the the club haven't got much money, they, they don't spend too much on players. What Roberto Martinez has mentioned time and time again is this, this crop of exciting young players that the team have got. The likes of Stones, Brendan Galloway, James McCarthy, Lukaku, Delafeu, Ross Barkley. And how it's important that they preserve that core and... It's you know you hear managers say this all the time about how they, they want to keep the best young players intact. But Everton showed in the summer that they're not going to be dictated to in that sense. And I think a lot of fans, the main concern is that eventually there will become an offer come in that's going to be too good to refuse. Hopefully, Everton have, have reaped the benefits of these young players by the time by the time those offers do come in. By the time it's become got to a point where Everton can no longer resist those sorts of offers and. and they're in a much better position because of it. I just, I just hope this this group now. Obviously, mentioned in the first part about winning a trophy. This, this is a, this is a team which is fearless. It's attacking. It's it's getting better and better every week. I think they owe it to itself, and for, for hopefully a lot of Everton fans as well. They do go and, and make something tangible of it. Go and win a trophy. Go and push and, and finish in the top four, and, and then the club. Even if they do go on to leave, will be in a, a much better position eventually. Well, one of my favorite quotes there on, on John Stones, John Stones, legs like kaleidoscopes. Write that one down back in the studio in San Francisco. <laughs> we have definitely got to get that one flowing on Twitter. John Stones, legs like kaleidoscopes. Matt, you know how much I love Goodison Park. You know how near and dear Goodison Park is to me. Actually, went to my first uh, Everton match uh, when I was eight years old. I've told the story on this show quite a few times, and, and you know what? I, I'm going to tell it again right now, and, and it's the one of me being eight years old, uh, Everton playing Sheffield Wednesday, a, a Saturday three o'clock match at Goodison, and during the halftime announcements of the scores uh, on on the public address system there at Goodison, what was it? It was the the first one, you know, Manchester United two, Middlesbrough nil, and then the next one it went Liverpool one, Nottingham Forest nil. And without even thinking about this, I just impulsively jumped up and went, yeah. <laughs> and I had about a hundred people turn back and just stare me right in the eyes. I am pooping bricks. I'm blushing. I'm scared to death. And I see people almost like rising out of their seats at me. And I'm going, I'm only eight. Don't hurt me. Oh my God. 
And I'll never forget this big, large Catholic lady a few feet away from me. She just looks over at everybody and goes, eh, he doesn't know any better. Leave him alone. And I just <laughs> looked back at this lady and I said, you just saved my life. Thank you. Oh, so much. All right. So uh, now, now that we've shared that, you know how much Goodison means to me. <laughs> I have loved yeah. the atmosphere at Goodison Park this year. I'm not going to lie. There seemed to be a little bit of toxicity last year at Everton with the way that season went as far as how the crowd would sometimes, I don't want to say turn on their team, but people were even joking, calling Goodison, White Hart Lane North and, and all that, all that goes, goes with that. <laughs> I haven't picked up on any of that this year. We've got 45 seconds before we got to head to a break here, Matt. What can you credit that to besides just the good play from Everton? There's got to be something more to it. Everybody seems like they're being pretty positive. Well, the first game of the season actually wasn't that much better. It was, it was, it was. We played Watford at home, and and it seemed very much the same sort of thing. We could see the cheap goals, and then we got back into it. But I, I think the manner in which they, they handled the John Stones situation this summer was, was crucial to, to fans. I think there's been, a, I'm sure everyone's seen, there's been a lot of discontent in the fan base. There's people flying planes off the, the stadium, etc. But the fact that Everton puffed the chest out when di- dictated to by Chelsea and they kept one of the one of the best young prospects in the country, it kind of emboldened the fans a little bit. It gave everyone a lift going to the game. And, and the, the first game back after that transfer, the Barker was Everton against Chelsea and the team played really, really well that day. 1-3-1. And they've they basically been riding the same sort of uh, emotion. Well, the momentum has been built from, from that match and the atmosphere is, has been a lot better. And, and when you score 10 goals in your last two home games, as has been the case <laughs> the last couple of matches, that, that's always going to help they're as getting well. Them, they're getting them going, Matty, and, and I don't care too much for money because money can't buy you stones. One of the best songs yeah. that I've ever heard from any supporters group ever. Good on you, Toffees. Love you. We're back after this on World Soccer Talk Radio. Taking a little trip across Stanley Park, talking Reds. Stay tuned. What to say Sometimes I hear the echoes of laughter. Oh, we're back. World Soccer Talk Radio here with you on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. We're whistling that whole break. Matt Jones alongside yours truly, Nate Abaurea. And our show today is brought to you by Audible. I've got a free book for you. The real challenge with Audible is to pick which book. They've got 180,000 titles, bestsellers, fiction, biographies, you name it. So many good soccer books to choose from, including the new business book from Sir Alex Ferguson. That guy, you may have heard of him. It's entitled Leading. He shares his insight about the leadership skills he used at Manchester United. It really came down to one thing. We've actually talked about this on the show quite a bit. He said, no player is going to make more money than me. That was, that was the number one leadership tool there for Alex Ferguson at Manchester United. There's the John Motson autobiography. There's the Bobby Charlton book, The Secret Footballer's Guide to the Modern Game. There's oh so many more. And you can get the Daily Digest of the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. And I will give you a link for a free audio book. Listen up. And all of this stuff is available to you for free for free. For 30 days, and you can cancel during the first 30 days. Anytime you pay absolutely nothing, and the book is yours to keep forever and ever. But I think you'll be hooked. I think you'll stick around with Audible. It's a great way to listen to your favorite authors on your commute or at the gym or wherever you need them. And here's the deal. This is what you need to write down. Get your free audiobook today. Free. Absolutely free. Gratis. Free audiobook today at audibletrial.com. 
Audible.com slash World Soccer Talk. Your first month, absolutely free. You get a free audio book that is yours to keep no matter what. Sign up today. Audibletrial.com slash World Soccer Talk. A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L.com slash World Soccer Talk. Huge thank you to Audible for their support of the show. All right, Maddie, we've talked all about your toffees. It's time to take a little trip across the park and head over to Anfield. But I want to talk to you. I want to get a, an Evertonian's perspective on what's going on at Liverpool right now. Because when I'm talking to the lads from the full-time Devils, when I'm talking to, to Gooners down in North London, when I'm talking to, to people who normally despise my team, who have nothing but hatred for the team that I love in, in Liverpool, and I'm hearing positivity coming from all of these people. When I hear Manchester United supporters, when I hear Gaz and Adam from the full-time Devils telling me, God, I love Jurgen Klopp. I, I, it pains me to say <laughs> this, Nate, but God, I love him. He's so awesome in every way. He just, he just oozes positivity and just makes me, makes me happy and makes me smile and makes me love the game even more. How are you feeling as an Evertonian looking at this thing through toffee eyes? How are you feeling about Jurgen Klopp not only being a part of English football, but being a part of the city of Liverpool? I'm still trying to find something I don't like about him, to be honest. I'm, I'm searching. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for. I'm sure it won't take very long. There'll, there'll be some footy says of those, but no, no. On a serious note, I'd echo the, the sentiments of of the lad you just mentioned there. He's, um, he's he's got a real aura about him, hasn't he? And I think when when you speak about the the, the really great managers, the likes of Ferguson you mentioned there, and, and all those those real top figures, he's he's someone who's got that same sort of it's intangible quality and and at the moment Liverpool I've, I've always been a, a big I've always thought that the, the, the truest reflection of a manager is what you see on the pitch and the way that the team plays and at the moment Liverpool are a, a total reflection of Jurgen Klopp the way that they, they seem to be enjoying the football the you know they're the attacking the, the way that they press the ball they hunt impacts and, and, and that seems to be transcended into, into the city as well and when he when he first took over, the the, the buzz around Liverpool was, uh, you know, it, it was noticeable that there were fans who were who were uplifted, and even even though I think Brendan Rodgers did quite a good job all in all, I think it, it did seem like the right time for a change. And and you mentioned there in the first half about the Goodison Park atmosphere and how it it kind of deteriorated a little bit over last season. You'd watch games on the telly at Anfield, and and it, it was in a malaise. It was the fans weren't really singing. The team went very inspirational, and it was kind of each was kind of waiting for the other to, to trigger the other one into action. And, and what he's done, he's, he's just given everybody a lift. And yeah, it's it's looking annoyingly positive, unfortunately, Nate. <laughs> when are you going to find something that you hate about him? I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure there'll be something eventually, though. I'm sure he, maybe maybe in a derby game or something like that when. Liverpool get one of the dodgy penalties, and, and he says it wasn't. So something, it'll be something. <laughs> oh, I love it. How, how are the 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 rest of the city? I mean, you're you're there. You're on the pulse of this thing, and talk expand on this a little bit. I know you touched on it there uh, already, but mm. talk about whether whether it's it's either side of of Stanley Park, whether it's Everton fans, whether it's Liverpool fans. How much people 
over there, and, and this is, I think, really true to the, to the Scouse core, at least what I've heard, and that is how much people seem to be appreciating how he has already taken to the city, how he says, hey, you, you, you learn about the city, you learn about the place that's going to be my new home in the pubs. You learn about it by interacting with, with the truest of, of middle-class people in this city. That's how I'm going to endear myself to all of them. Has he followed through on that? Have you heard anything in that regard? I think he did initially. He was um, there's, there's a, when he first got the job. He was in a, in a hotel up by the by the cathedrals, I believe, and then he was out having a few drinks around at a pub called the Old Blind School. And then he was in a, a cafe called the Quarter, and I, I think he mentioned in it uh, in one of his press conferences. Actually, he's, he's going to have to stop doing it because he's got, getting so many photographs taken of him, and it, it looks as though he's just out in pubs and having meals all the time. <laughs> so he's getting, I think I think he's probably curtailed that a little bit, but he, he seems to. I think he's moved out of the city now into a into an area called Sefton, which is a, a, a little bit more affluent. So you know, like, within reason, I think he's. He seems to be integrating himself into it. Obviously, he can't go around and have a drink like like someone like uh, like you or me would in, in, in you know after the game or something like that. Oh well, go give me a break, Matty. They're they're taking pictures with you too. Come on, I know it. <laughs> I doubt, doubt, doubt that very much, but but no, it's, it's you know it's just it's little things really. You see, there was a lad in, in on the high street yesterday with with you know with a jacket and glasses and a cap on. He looked like him getting photos. There was I seen a video today on on the, uh, the Liverpool Twitter feed where there was a nine year old lad teaching him Scouse lingo and you know give it bifters and stuff like that. All the all these Scouse terminologies and he was trying to do so. All those little things and, and the fact that he's he's trying to immerse himself in, in the culture of the city, which in fairness for someone like Liverpool is quite unique. It's, it's it's a lot different to other places in the country. The fact that, that he's doing that has indeed them to a lot of people and you can see why why Liverpool fans love him and at the moment I I personally couldn't think of a, of a manager who's a better fit uh, in terms of personality in terms of the way he plays the, way, the way he wants his teams to play and where Liverpool need to go and what they need to build from and what they want to become I can't think of a, a better manager in world football for, for the job really can can we do a little uh, translation right now? Because I, I absolutely love that video that that LSC TV put out with the the kid, the nine year old kid doing the translation. Yeah. Can you for for our World Soccer Talk Radio listeners that haven't seen this video, can you translate giving it bifters for us? It, it just means trying really hard, like you know, giving it everything sort of thing. All right, and what what does it mean when someone in in Liverpool says that's boss? Just really it's, bo- it's Bosta. It's yeah. Bosta. Bo- Boss that mate, yeah. But I think Klopp said that in his interview after the game against Manchester City. I think <laughs> he actually used that line himself. So, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's anyone who's not watched that video, it is it is really funny to be fair. Definitely, definitely check it out. And hey, we had we had Lawrence McKenna on the show actually a few days ago. Uh, another another resident scouser, and so I have to ask you. I asked Lawrence this on the show. What is your favorite pub on Merseyside, Matt? Oh, mine's um, it's one called the Ship and Mitre. I don't know. It's um, I'm sure everyone's heard of the Mersey Tunnels. It's one right by the Mersey Tunnel. It doesn't actually show any football in there or anything. It's just got a, a massive variety of different beers and ales, and it's a place we go to before the match quite often. So uh, yeah, the, the Ship and Mitre. It's called the Ship and Mitre. I, I said this. I, I swear to God, I'm gonna have to get these guys to start 
paying me because I'm giving them ample shout outs here on my show. But uh, the flute was actually a place that, that I spent quite a bit of time oh, yeah. in uh, when I was when I was 14 in there. I won't I won't get the flute in trouble, but I was 14, had a great time uh, in, in the flute. And uh, we, we will continue this conversation here away from the pub. We're going to step back in <laughs> to the radio studio here because I don't want to get anybody in trouble here. Um, Matt, let, let, let's get back to, to your side. Let's get back to the team that, that you support with, with all your heart. Let's get back to Everton and, and talk realistic goals right now. I mean, you, you and me, when, when, we're, when we're, we're shooting it off air, I mean, we're, we're joking even as we start this thing. Oh, you know, seventh place, by God, they could, they could keep rising. But what's, what's realistic for Everton right now? Because when you look at this Premier League, I'll tell you what. I can't remember a year that looks like it had more parity than, than what's going on in the Premier League right now. It's deeper than just Leicester City. It's, it's West Ham. It's Crystal Palace. It's Everton. It's these teams that are right there. It's Liverpool under Klopp suddenly in ninth place with people talking about them like they're top of the table. I mean, one through ten, it feels like everybody's got a shot to, to, to get something done. I mean, whether it's top four, whether it's Europa League. So... Tying that back to your side, what is a realistic expectation for Everton with where we stand right now? It's it's really tough to say, just because of, essentially because of all the factors you've mentioned there. I think a lot of it depends on on the injuries and whether they can keep players fit. And you look at Romelu Lukaku this season, for example. He's the second highest goal scorer in the Premier League. He's got nine goals, five assists. He's he's a player who is essentially irreplaceable for Everton. If he was to get an injury, although Aruna Curry's done pretty well this season in, in, in his few games, he's not got the same presence up front. He's not got the same goal-scoring instincts as someone like Romelu Lukaku. So it is dependent on variables. If if Everton keep that core fit of, of, of players, John Stones, Barkley, McCarthy, Lukaku and, and, and Gerard Delafeu continues to, to play at the, the astonishing levels that he's reached recently, then they've got every chance of challenging for the top four. And without the Europa League, which is something which, which was to the detriment last season, they have got a chance. And, and one, of the, one of the things that's resonated with me quite a lot this season is, is not necessarily the, the fatigue issue when it was the Europa League last season. It's more the fact that, that Martinez is someone who's, whose teams have always attacked well. They've always had patterns in their attack and play. And that was scarce last season. And I imagine a lot of that was to do with the, not having the time to work on, on their attacking systems, how they're going to approach the game in an attacking sense. And, and that's something that's, that's resurfaced recently. And that will be to the to the benefit massively if, in, the, in the second half of the season when, when the games do start to add up for the teams like Liverpool, teams like Tottenham, who are going to be in the Europa League. So if, if you can keep everybody fit, I'd say a, a top four challenge is definitely on. But... It all depends on whether players like Lukaku, like Stones, and like Barkley do have an injury-free season. Well, let, let's end by by focusing on on Ross Barkley, one of my favorite players in in all of English football right now, and and someone who means the world to to Everton fans for for oh so many reasons. And and there, there was a little bit of a slump last year, a bit of a lull, a bit of a confusion with Ross Barkley. Oh oh, we got too high on the youngster. We put we put too many expectations on him. I mean, he was still had had some outstanding moments last season, but I feel like there, there's something different. There's something brewing with Barkley again. And whether it's, uh, has he gained the confidence in an England uniform and, and brought it back to Goodison park? Has it been, you know, a, a little bit of both? What's been the keys for Ross Barkley this year? And, and how do you think he's going to keep this up? 
I think the key for him this season has been positional consistency and getting a prolonged run of games in the side. Last season, it's it's often forgotten he picked up a bad injury on the on the first day of the campaign and he didn't really he didn't return to the side until November and, and when he did come back into the side, Everton was struggling. Martinez shifted him around the team. He played as a number ten, he played as an orthodox central midfield player. He played on the left, he played on the on the right hand side, and he, he didn't really get a consistent run. And, and fans were getting on his back, as is often the case with local players. They're a lot more hotly scrutinised than, than others in the side. But this season, obviously, he's had a rest in the summer. There's, there's no World Cup, and, and he's come back into the side. And Martinez has just said to him. To play in that position, just just off Romelu Lukaku, he's got a lot more freedom in his game, and he's, he's just he's just really kicked on, and he was outstanding for the, the first couple of months of the season. Tailed off a little bit as of late in, in games against Manchester United, against Liverpool, wasn't quite at the same level, but he's someone against for England again. He, he performed well there. He came back emboldened, and he, he's looked a lot better again in the last few weeks. And What's what's been encouraging for me is, especially with that game against Aston Villa at the weekend, is he's scoring scrappy goals now. And I know we all love to see him banging in shots from 30 yards with his right foot and his left foot. But if he's an attacking midfield player, he needs to be getting into the box and, and picking up these these scrappy goals, like Tim Cale used to do in his best for Everton, just always <laughs> following up, always in the right sort of areas. And if you can add that to his game, you start getting more assists as well this season. He's a lot more incisive around the penalty area. He started adding assists and goals to his game as well as his ability to carry the ball, his ability to take on players, then he is going to be a, a major force. And there's still areas he needs to improve in, don't get me wrong, but this season the signs have been a hugely positive for him. Well, I love I love the shout out to Tim Cahill right there. And if, if Ross can take a little page out of the Tim Cahill book and mm. and then we'll see if he goes over and has a has a boxing match uh, with with the corner flag <laughs> the way Timmy used to do. Matt Jones, you find his work on WorldSoccerTalk.com. You also find him on Toffee TV. And real quickly, how can they get a hold of you on Twitter, Matt? It's Matt J Football. So really easy. At Matt J Football. He's always giving it bifters when he's on this show. Thank you so much, Matty. <laughs> always a pleasure. And uh, best of luck this weekend for your toffees down on the South Coast. Likewise. Thanks very much for having me on these. Again, that was Matt Jones. We're back after this on World Soccer Talk Radio, taking the express train home. A little turkey trot to the finish line. Stay tuned. And he said the same thing. Another big thank you to Matt Jones. Again, check out his writing on worldsoccertalk.com and check out his work with Toffee TV. Everton through and through. Good friend Matt Jones. And favorite quote of that whole show, John Stone. He's got legs like kaleidoscopes. Thank you oh so much again to all you beautiful folks out there in the Twitter sphere for those Seinfeld football manager tweets. Who of all the Seinfeld characters would make the best soccer manager? One that I didn't mention there way back in the beginning of the show, Jackie Childs. That's right, the lawyer, Jackie Childs. Talk about detail-oriented. I'm telling you, Jackie Childs would make a damn fine football manager. And George Costanza? Kind of reminds me of Miguel Herrera. George Costanza as a football manager would be Miguel Herrera. There you go. Hope you enjoyed that one. Thanks again to Matt. Thanks to the producers in SF. Thanks to the gaffer, Chris Harris. My name is Nate Abaurea. Have a happy Thanksgiving. We're off for a couple of days. Love you. Talk to you Monday the 30th. Cheers. Hi. 
This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.